Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we will be exploring the idea of highest and best use. Welcome, Carly. Well, thank you, Miles. Okay, so I was excited that we were going to start talking about highest and best use because actually the first time I heard it was in your class. And listeners, for those of you who don't know, uh, Miles was my professor in my MBA program. So that was the first time I'd heard highest and best use, and it took me a while to realize that's actually a real estate term. It is a real estate term, and the official definition of highest and best use in the real estate industry is it is the reasonable, probable, and legal use of vacant land or an improved property which is physically possible, appropriately supported, financially feasible, and that results in the highest value. Okay, so not one of those things were mentioned in the class. I have been using the term highest and best use over and over again because it just applies to deciding when, when you have to choose between two things. So it's highest and best use. So you brought it up in class and never mentioned real estate. Talk about that. I, I, I agree. So I'm, I'm guilty as charged. I first encountered it when my father retired from the steel mill. And he thought that he'd need something to keep, keep busy with. So he decided to become a real estate agent. Oh, okay, the dots are connecting. So <laughs> as a, you know, I tried to help him, help him study. And I'm learning. You can't help but learn. There's an open book. Hey. <laughs> and I'm helping my dad prepare for his real estate test. And there's this great idea of highest and best use. And to me, it's probably second only to the golden rule. Really? Really. So the golden rule keeps you out of trouble with people. And highest and best use assures that you don't waste the material treasures you have. So that's your one-two punch. Golden rule, highest and best use. That makes sense. I mean, I use the thinking of highest and best use every morning when I sit down with my to-do list and I think I have a finite amount of time. This is what has to be done. How am I going, what is my highest and best use of my time to reach these goals? That's, that's, that's perfect. That's perfectly described. So as you know, I talk about the standard work of quality and I'm trying to decide how to best get that out for, you know, our audience at some point. But the fourth point of the standard work of quality as I teach it is continuous improvement of the people and processes that we're responsible for. In other words, getting them up to their highest and best use. That makes sense. And you know what? I think the Peter Principle might fall in here somewhere because at some point you do hit your highest and best use well, and you and get pushed one step too far and now but people don't want to go backwards. Right. Yeah, it's overreach. Right. The Peter Principle right. is overreach for this, this idea. So you really do have to determine the highest doesn't necessarily mean 
the absolute limit. It's your highest and best use. That's, that's right. So the interesting thing about highest and best use is its predictive value in, in the real estate market. So um, in Cleveland, they have this professional sports team. I'm told it's professional. It's basketball. And they bring in... Are you talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers? Something like that, Oh, yeah. my gosh. You so, should know that. My so, favorite team. So they bring these athletes in, professional athletes, ladies and gentlemen, and they come in and they want to buy, they want to have a nice place befitting their stature as a sports, you know, megastar. And so they'll buy properties, lakefront properties, and... The property will have a very nice house on it, maybe an acre or two of land. And the existing value of that house and, and land may be a million or a million and a half dollars. Okay. But the property sells for five or six million dollars. How do you explain that? Because they consider the highest and best use for that land, not what it's being used for right now? Exactly. The highest and best use is with a 25-bedroom, 15-car garage, hyper whatever, whatever. The existing structure will meet the bulldozer as soon as the ink is dry. The highest and best use is not the property as it is. It is as it can be envisioned by the new owner who has the financial feasibility, the physical pop possibility, and uh, results in what it is that they see for that property. Okay, so how do our listeners take this? We kind of talked about highest and best use when, uh, for people and their possibilities. Does it apply to machines and processes in their shops? Absolutely. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. So... Uh, what is what what is the highest and best use of all these equipment, all these machines in your shop? Let's say you have 20 machines. How many of them are actually under power? Mm, okay. Okay. So if you've got some that aren't... 12 are under power. What right. are those other eight doing? They're not at their highest and best they're use. They're not That's at their highest sure. and best use. They're not use. earning anything. Well, they're making you non-competitive in the market because you mm -hmm. still have their costs in your fixed costs. Right. So that's why you're always saying that our shops sell time. Our shops sell time on their machines. Aha. Uh -huh. So the highest and best use is make, maximizing the machine time. We, we exchange parts for money. We make parts with time on our machines. Uh, okay. This is all starting to make sense. Isn't it fun? It really is. is isn't it fun? But I really do think that if, if you have a machine, for instance, I had at a steel mill, I had a machine that could make all the way from 3 8 inch round up to inch and a, probably an inch and a quarter round out of coils. Okay. As long as I'm making steel, I'm making steel, right? Right. Wrong. Wrong. How many tons of steel am I going to get across the scale in two hours at a quarter of an inch or three-eighths of an inch round as opposed to inch and a half round when you think about weight per foot? Aha. Okay. So it, may be, it may be feasible 
to run all those sizes on that machine. It was mechanically capable of running those sizes. But you can bet your bottom dollar, if I had a customer asking for one inch, I was gonna run that instead of watching the paint dry, trying to get the quarter inch or three eighths of an inch through. I mean, it was just, it was terrible. How would you earn incentive? I mean, the production just, it was terrible. Oh. So the highest and best use for that particular machine probably wasn't to be at the smallest size range of, of its range. And so how many jobs do we take in our shop where, yeah, we can make it on this machine, but it's, it's a compromise. Why, what is it that's keeping us from putting it on a machine that's far more appropriate for that? And there may be a reason. You may not have an operator. You may not have an operator trained. <laughs> right. Know, scheduler Factors. may have a blind spot and not have any idea that machine can do that. So just because it can doesn't mean it should. That's exactly right. All right. So let's say I come to you, I have a shop, and I say, Miles, how do I apply highest to best use when I am looking at my shop? Am I looking at the whole thing? Am I looking at anything in particular? I'm, I'm going to try my best to find out what it is you really do best. Okay. Some shops, I mean, you can just look at uh, the pictures, the, the photos that a shop has on their website. And you can say, you know, some of these parts look, you can tell what they came out of. They came out of a bar, they're long. <laughs> They're a long part, they've got some, some changes in dimensions, but they're not terribly complex. There's probably more weight to the part than there is machining mm. in the part. You can look at some other parts and say, what the heck did you make that out of? And where'd the steel go? Where'd the aluminum go? It's all holes. It's like, I didn't know you could make metallic Swiss cheese. <laughs> Right? Right. Totally different paradigm. This one is stock removal, complex geometry. And like I said, was it even turned? Or was it milled? And what did they make it out of? Right? Mm -hmm. so, so what's your strength? What is your strength? What are the things that you will naturally do? Where do you naturally put your car keys, right? We were just talking about this at lunch. Yeah, that you, you don't want to fight uphill. Don't try and build something big and beautiful to put your car keys because you're just going to put them wherever you put them anyway. So what are you good at? Exactly. What are you good at? Okay. What are you good at? Some people are great at slicing. <laughs> They're just great at slicing. Other people, they have no idea how to feed a consistent length out, let alone get a consistent curve and get, and get everything flat and true. E easy peasy for some shops. At the same time, other shops, they don't mind stopping a spindle and putting holes, oriented holes, and using different axes, and they make money with the spindle stopped. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> so we've got, you can look at things highest and best use, and just because you can doesn't mean you should. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with? Well... Like I said, I think this idea of highest and best use, operating at your highest and best use, having your equipment operating at its highest and best use, 
and having your talent operating at its highest and best use, this is one of the most powerful concepts, I think, in my brain. This is, this is absolutely, if you have to make a decision, this is it. And so when we talk about lean, and we should talk about lean on this podcast someday, when we talk about lean, we talk about the eight wastes. And for those of you who are Toyota purists, Toyota only lists seven wastes. I get it. Thank you. I teach there are eight wastes. The eighth waste is unused talent and creativity of our people. Mm. If I have someone that can do engineering work, why are they merely emptying buckets? Right. If I have an employee that can actually set up and program a complex part, why are they just schlepping totes from A to B? Definitely not their highest and best use. It's not. It may be their necessary use today. Right. But that's not where I want them to be. That's not good for them. It's not good for the company. It's not good for society. It is a loss when people are not operating at their highest and best use. So my motivation when I had a crew is, it's, I can see where they're performing now, but where can they perform? If I provided them a little extra value in training, in coaching, in explaining, what value can they now achieve for them, for us, for society? To me, this is, I mean, it's, it's almost spiritual in it's a way to implement stewardship of people and material, the, the, the tangible gifts that we have. So it's not just good for the person. I mean, you're, you're, you're sustaining a workforce on top of making the continuous improvement in a shop. You're sustaining a workforce. Which we all know is precious. You're sustaining a community. True. You're adding you're talent. Adding talent, adding value. You're, you're it's enriching, enriching that community. And ultimately, it's societal. Okay? We're not huddling around campfires and under rocky ledges and caves, right? We have great quality of life because everybody has stepped up or, you know, throughout history, we've stepped up to achieve the highest and the best that we could. And on the shoulders of those people, you know, we now have airplanes, trains, automobiles, highways, you know, we'll talk about infrastructure another time. But, but highest and best use is why we have a podcast and not smoke signals. Advancement. Absolutely. And it's enriching personally for the enterprise, for the culture, for the society. Highest and best use, as I said, it's the second most powerful, second most powerful idea in my head. Golden rule keeps you out of trouble. Highest and best use. Continuous improvement, that's the way we get to highest and best use. Continuous improvement of the people and processes under my authority. That's the means, the ways and means, the highest and best use. How much time do you spend 
on identifying highest and best use for the talent in your shop. Thanks, Miles. All right. Well, that wraps up today's podcast on highest and best use. I really enjoyed that conversation, by the way. So thank you for making that happen. And thank you listeners for joining us as well. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org. While you are on pmpa.org, you can check out our new website with improved search features that find articles, webinars, podcasts like this, and other resources to help your precision machining business achieve its highest and best use. Nice, nice way to throw that in there. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast because your highest and best use of your time is to have this just pop right up onto your phone so you don't have to go looking for it. Are you a PMPA member? If so, you know the benefits and assistance that we have to offer. And if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. And why is PMPA membership so important, Miles? Because, because we, we are, are better, better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.